An explosion rocked through the city of Atlanta at approximately 1.20 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday morning. It was in the Olympic Park, Centennial Olympic Park. There are very sketchy details even hours after the explosion as to the cause of it and the extent of injuries and potential fatalities. We know that a rock concert was taking place. We know that there has been talk about an explosion from a garbage can. There's been talk that there was evacuation in the moments before it. There's been talk about potentially a transponder having exploded. So obviously there has been lots of talk, but nothing the definitive uh, chaos at the scene at that point. We don't expect too many details to be available until sometime much later on Saturday. 1.25 this morning here in Atlanta at Centennial Park. There was an explosive device. It does now appear that it was some kind of a crude bomb set at the bottom of a tower that was uh, holding both lighting and audio equipment for a rock concert. A song had just concluded. The bomb went off. Police had some forewarning. They were able to clear people away, but not far enough away. There have been 110 injuries. Two people have been killed so far. You don't care about the word. As you can see, hundreds of people standing there not knowing what's just happened. It is, and uh, 40 feet high, and the explosion apparently... Yeah, right? what? agent in charge has indicated he is considering this bomb an act of terrorism 110 people have been injured two have been killed one apparently of a heart attack welcome to the conspiracy therapy podcast with ryan and larry you may be asking yourself guys where's the Mommy? Where's the puckwudgie? Where's Josh? This can't be a real episode. Well, they're out sick this week. Oh, Oh boy. All right. Today's episode, (laughs) the 1996 Atlanta Olympic bombing. figure this out somehow somehow <laughs> well right off the top we got to do a couple shout outs yeah indeed um i really want to take a second pull the thunderbird to the side of the road and give a super special shout out to a man named jordan mole okay uh really awesome fella hit us up on our facebook and um had some 
I, I won't lie. I got a little misty reading mm-hmm, that, but mm-hmm. um, he uh, he's been going through a rough time, and um, he started listening to us in January when he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and uh, he said that the show helped him get better by all the silliness. But uh, does that make us doctors? No. Oh, I mean, I mean, I guess we could be like honorary doctors because I mean, is Doctor Phil really a doctor? No, neither is Doctor Bill Cosby. Even though he does prescribe a lot of pills. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, Jordan, we just want to say we love you, man. And this episode's dedicated to you, sir. Yes, sir. So hopefully, hopefully you weren't like a massive April and Josh fan. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? They dedicated Great. an episode to me and the- <laughs> I'm missing my favorite parts. Oh, boy. Anyway, also, we want to give a quick shout out to our five star reviewer. Ooh. Burning Jello. That's what would that name. smell like? I don't know. Like burning horse hooves? You know, well, actually, don't they usually light jello shots on fire? Sure. It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I mean, I've had jello shots, but never on fire. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was like a European thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. He, he gave us a really great five star review. And if any of you guys want to give us a five star review, we will happily read it and shout you out. Indeed. Because. That's what we do. We are shouter outers, if that makes any sense. It's I'm the saying- out that we shout. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're killing time until you can pull that I- up. <laughs> we are. Fourth wall. We are. Um, no. Uh, so what he had to say was basically, he, he titled it, Words Can't Compare How Good It Is. Ooh. Which... It's already flattering enough. You it don't is. even need to say anything. You had me at at five stars, but you even have me, you got me in the sack now. That right there is what do I hear after I've made love to a woman? Words can't even. She's just dumbfounded, She's just, drooling just on herself. Birdies. Mm-hmm. Okay, he said, uh, and I'm assuming it's a girl. Maybe it's a boy. Okay, or uh, actually, I'm assuming it's a boy. Maybe it's a girl. Are you sen- assuming someone's gender, sir? I shouldn't do that. Not in today's I hear world. That's bad. <laughs> well, anyway, he, he she says, I have to say, I was kind of getting burnt out on conspiracy podcasts, then found these guys, and wow, awesome, great episodes, and above all, they have puns and jokes and fun, which makes. A podcast, great. Keep up the hard work. Okay. And I have... What did he say? And I have to control myself from laughing so hard sometimes. Dude, I do too. We've, we've been there. <laughs> it's I'll, I'll swerve all over the road. Oh, what? You listen while you're driving? <laughs> I don't recommend that. No. no. Uh, he said, hey, give me a shout out. Do a whole game show. Um, I, I'm a little confused with this last part. We gave you the shout out. Now, yeah. we talked a little bit about doing a whole episode of game shows, but I'm thinking you're thinking quizzical. Quizzical. Yeah. Um, boy, we'd have to really think and put our heads together and really come up with other games to yeah. form a whole show. Maybe we could do like a half, like the second segment. Just Maybe like a- Halloween we could do that. Yes. Yes. Burning Jello, whatever gender you are, <laughs> yes. we respect. And maybe mm-hmm. we'll do something like that. But thanks for the five star review. Yes. Hello, Jello. iTunes. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get into this week's topic. So, 
Larry brought this up to me. Now, now, can you give us a little backstory to kind of the time? Because I honestly, I remember mm-hmm. sort of, but this is kind of getting thrown in during like the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, you had Columbine. You had um, uh, the Unabomber. Uh, I remember Jay Leno was calling this guy the Unadufus. Well, oh, the, well, that's Jay Leno actually being mean. That's right. him. That's him cursing. Right. That's him. Car talk. Jay Leno. Yeah. What was uh, what was your history with this? Well, this was the number one song uh, the week the Olympics started. This is, this is like the smelling salts right here. Mm. This should put you right back to the oh, summer of 1996. I was listening to Smashing Pumpkins and Soundgarden. Yes. I actually went to a Smashing Pumpkins concert that year. Ooh. Yes. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, they are good live. But uh, it was the 96 Olympics, the Summer Olympics. And if this followed up, of course, the 1994 Olympics where he had Tanya Harding. That's true. Smashing Nancy Kerrigan's knee in with a lead pipe. Allegedly. Well, she had her boyfriend's, boyfriend's security guard. Yeah, something like that. It was that her security guard. It was that, weird. I th- that could even be a conspiracy. I don't know. I think it's we figured out who did what. Yeah. Which, saw, by the way, that movie just came out. I, Tanya, I want to see that. I saw it. Did, is it good? It is very good. Okay. Highly recommended. All right. Now, the only gripe that some people have is maybe it glorifies Tanya a little too much. Okay. Where Nancy was kind of the victim. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because I wanted to win, bitch. Right. That's right. That's right. Anyway, um, yeah, so... And actually, the 96 Olympics are kind of a... Yeah, they weren't even that good. <laughs> well, the the bombing was, uh, was an attempt by that the... That got a gold. <laughs> that was an attempt to shut the Olympics down. Oh, really? Yeah. But it didn't work. Right. Because they resumed. And I don't think something like that... I mean, you'd have to real. I mean, they'd bring in the, they'd bring in the National Guard if it was like a resistance militia yeah. type thing. I think... It's happening regardless. Mm-hmm. There's too much money. Yeah. Let's it, face it. Money rules everything. Yep. Damn it. I know. Why can't good looks and puns rule everything? <laughs> we'd, we'd be the kings of the world. We would be Bill Gates <laughs> and you would be Ronald McDonald. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I have a feeling that clown's raking in a lot of dough. <laughs> Josh doesn't want to hear about that. Okay. Now, the Centennial Olympic Park bombing. Because this was the unofficial Centennial Olympics. Right. Ha-ha, I read that. Ooh. <laughs> I did some research, finally. Um, oh, shit. You know what? We'll save it for the second segment. Okay. Um, okay, so, the Centennial Olympic Park bombing was a domestic terrorist pipe bombing attack, which, by the way, this was the biggest pipe bomb attack ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it did win the gold. <laughs> it was it was staggering. The Not judges were the judges were speechless. The Russians gave it a ten. Yeah, they did. I would assume any country that hates us was like, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a ten. <laughs> Saddam Hussein was like, fuck, fuck yeah. I can't. I that I'm was, not even. I don't even know it on Iraqi. I don't know. I just imagine they speak Wish like Josh was here. Yeah, I think that's the accent he can do. <laughs> Josh, where are you? <laughs> He's sick. Well, poor, poor fella. Yeah, he'll be back next. Maybe week. we'll post a picture of him in his face mask. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> if only the listeners are our he show. Like, he looked like an old Korean lady. 
with a beard. <laughs> Which some of them maybe. Or is it China? China's the one that always wears some no. masks, right? Yeah. Because of the smog problem there. Was that racist? No, it's true. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of smog okay. there. Okay. I don't think smog is some, is not some sort of racial slur, sir. <laughs> Them damn smogs taking all our jobs. Pollution gets really offended when you call it by the wrong connotation. Um, I okay. prefer to be called acid rain. <laughs> I've been really working on it. <laughs> smog this, smog that. And I only listen to acid jazz. Ooh, I can get down on that. Yeah, I like that. Okay. So this this bombing, if we haven't already said it, happened in the Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta, Georgia, on July 27th during the 1996 Summer Olympics. The bra- the blast brast the blast directly killed one person, but one other person did die of a heart attack. Okay, so we'll allow it. I'm wondering if that was like an older gentleman, and he was just like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. To die of fear, though, that would that would be terrible. It'd be terrifying. I wonder when we did the sleep paralysis episode. Mm. I wonder if there was anybody that (laughs) actually. I feel like I found zero deaths in that, but it might be worth checking out. Anyway, all right. So it injured 111 others. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, you get a nail in your leg or whatever. You're just like standing there with your girl, sipping on a Miller Lite, getting ready for the. Getting ready for the wrestling wrestling tournament. Yeah. And all of a sudden, your favorite Nickelback cover band finishes their song and a ninety-six. Maybe your favorite Limp Biscuit cover band. <laughs> Maybe Limp Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> the t- We're gonna cover ourselves. <laughs> We're sopping muffin. You know what's fun is to come up with yeah. alternative names to Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Anyway, so um. It was the first of four bombings that were supposedly... I tell you what, we're going to skip that part. We're going to go to this now. After the bombings, there was a man. Now, this is... I'm going to say of this episode, this is our hero. Our main main character. Who, if I had to describe him, and I feel like this might be the only time, just because I'm only doing a description. Picture Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yeah, is ish like he he's a little think, bit bigger. Uh, think a suburban dad. Exactly. Like he can make the best pancakes ever on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> he has a mustache. Oh, he's, he's it's a blonde mustache. And um, that, that look, how how do you leave? Like I tried it not too long ago. Remember when I tried the mustache thing? It's not. You look okay. Yeah, but I like not, it better when it connects to the beard. You gotta have that Tom Selleck thickness to yeah. really pull off a mustache. Yeah. But, so I don't understand that. I like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna only grow f- fur right in the middle of my face. Between my nose and my mouth needs something. A little little accent mark or something. Yeah. Just just not a look I think is good. What do you think of those like curly Q like Oh the old, handlebars? Yeah. If you're if you're in your fifties or sixties, yes. If you're twenty two, knock it off and give me my coffee. Take your pork pie hat off. Yeah, fucking weirdo. Okay. And put that typewriter away, okay? <laughs> Buy a computer, you loser. I'm working on the next teen <laughs> vampire anthology. And your girlfriend over there spinning yarn with one of those wheelie dealies. All right, and buy clothes Rapunzel? off the rack. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's that's the name that's going to okay. be. If in you used to wear artisanal, I'm punching you in the nose. Oh, <laughs> you better watch out. Although Hip, I do it, hipsters. I, I do love farm to table though. <laughs> yeah, it's tasty. It's actually it's really good. <laughs> Worth the money. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Richard Allensworth Jewel, born Richard White on December seventeenth, nineteen sixty-two. Um, he was a American police officer and security guard. Oh, he was so he was off duty cop at that time. No, he no. was he was a former cop. Though. Oh, okay. Um, there's a story there. While working as a security guard for AT and T, he became known in connection with the Centennial Olympic Park bombing at the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. Discovering a backpack filled with three pipe bombs, so it wasn't just one. Wow. On the park grounds, Jewel alerted police and helped to evacuate the area before the bomb exploded, saving probably hundreds of lives. For sure, yeah. So, without him, and without him finding him, it would have been way worse. Um, And after this bombing, which we actually heard the audio of in the opening clip, he was immediately hailed as a hero. Like, right. You literally you did your job and you saved people's lives. Um see I don't remember that part. But the prop yeah, because it happened so fast. Yeah. The fifteen minutes of fame is real in this country. And that's ninety six. Now it's like two seconds of fame. It's a vine clip. Yeah. Vine doesn't even exist anymore. But you get my point. It's fine. Now. Whatever periscope. Yeah. We can't keep up with them, okay? Stop it. Pick one and stick to it. We got an Instagram now. We feel oh, like yeah. we're we feel like we're the coolest kids in school. So Instagram. It- <laughs> you on that old shit. We're on cookie gram now. I don't know what's going on now. Yeah, I don't know either. Anyway. So Jewel sadly though was later considered the suspect because the FBI had no leads. They they had what they saw in video, and unfortunately, at the time, this is a time when nobody has those phones out taking video all the time. No, you had your little, little handheld, uh, handheld v, v, mini H- DV, DV whatever those were. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's only actually two videos that were taken from this bombing that you can actually see. And again, we'll post online. Um, Jules' case, in retrospect, is. Considered an example of the damage that can be done by reporting, because part of what it is, is there were papers that were out and out saying this was the the guy. Yeah. And at the time, everybody just wanted things to go back to normal. It's like you're at a wedding and the bride's walking up onto the altar to meet with the husband or or the groom Mm -hmm. and she trips and falls. Mm. Nobody wants to remember that. No. The least of much bride to be. Even if it's your sister, you don't even. Unless it's the Three Stooges getting married. (laughs) I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. Or, or like, you're up giving a speech at your graduation and you just let out a taco fart. That would be me. Did you do that? The walls purring? (laughs) Throwback. No, I never did. I'm, I'm cool. I'm good with public speaking. Yeah, I don't generally have problems. Yeah. I mean, being like playing music with f- friends and and doing podcasts, even I think it, I, after a while you get used to the sound of your voice, even if it is nails on a chalkboard mm-hmm. to yourself. And 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 I like shoveling as much as as I can into that empty space in my soul. So anything that gets me attention, I'm cool with. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh Lord. 
despite okay so so we're gonna we're gonna switch over again now there's this great article this is um i I don't want to stay too long on just breaking down his personal life because all i can say about the man without getting too far into it was that people part of the reason and i feel like everybody out there listening has this type of person in their life or maybe they are this type of person but people sometimes want to do good mm-hmm. okay and they exude that it's like the guys that that want to be cops but never really become full-time cops they want to save the world right. they might not always have the right answers mm-hmm. but generally those people annoy the crap out of a lot of people <laughs> because they're do-gooders Richard Jewell was a do-gooder. Making me look bad. And part of the problem, the reason that he became such a high suspect is because one of his ex-professors mm-hmm. from one of where he went to school actually called the FBI and said... Oddly enough, his name is Professor X. <laughs> when he was bad. Yeah. Um, he called in on a tip line and was like, just so you know, I know that security guard who found the pipe bombs... He's not a good guy. He's, really? He's he he, he wants to be a class. Hero. Right. He, he got disturbs all... the classrooms. Class clown. I mean, yeah. I... see, I don't I don't I expect that those type of guys, yeah, they probably generally are class clowns. Mm-hmm. But it's like us. It's punny humor. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he could sit at this table right now and rap about this and be and be on the level. I really do. I like this guy. That's the pro, that's the thing about doing the research for this that really hit me. And I want to mention too on the side, there was this great 30 for 30 ESPN doc about oh, those are some good docs. Even are, if you're not a sports fan. Yeah, I see I'm like I I've come to be known. I'm not I'm not totally knowledgeable on sports, but this is incredible. Um and you really feel for this guy. And actually, when we end this episode, we'll play a clip from that. Jeez, I'll have um, to watch that one. It's amazing. Um, okay, so The Guardian wrote this article about how 20 years on, and this would have been last year when this came out, but the Atlanta Olympic Park bombing 20 years on, have we learned lessons? Now, according to the author, Brian Armin Graham, he writes, Richard Jewell's vigilance saved countless lives, but the constellation of factors that conspired to destroy his name are even more present today and really this is what i want to go through before we take a break because i think this is the main core of this they they say there's a conspiracy here mm-hmm. and in fact all the documentaries all the research i did i seriously feel like if i took the time it's just like when you listen to me before and we're like i counted all the ums if i counted all the times they said the word conspiracy Mm. It'd be more than anything we've ever covered. Really? Oh, yeah. It's insane. It's it's during that 90s era of the Unabomber, Oklahoma City, this Columbine. There's so much going on. The internet is like brand new. Mm. Al Gore's like, look what I did. Chipper. <laughs> is that her name? Chipper? Tipper? It's Tipper. <laughs> Wait, that's Tip. Yeah, Tipper Gore. Chipper Gore. <laughs> I'm the chippy one. I'm Chipper Gore. <laughs> so... I think what Brian's getting at in this article is he's basically saying after this poor man because he tried because he saved lives and no not a lot of people know about this. I didn't until today or not today, the last week. He's asking have we learned anything or is it just getting worse? I honestly think 
It's no, we haven't learned anything. No, we haven't. And I'm hoping that by telling Richard's story today and, you know, the real suspect who comes up a little later and probably in the second segment, we can hopefully inspire people to to not just believe everything they see in the news. And I know that's a big subject nowadays, and I know Trump brings it up Fake a lot. News. But there's a realistic connotation there is, to the when you throw it out so much that everything becomes fake news, it kills the point yes, of fake news. It does. But I do believe that one of the greatest um, truth tellers of all is the passage, passage of time. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it all comes out. Yes. So, the biggest hero of the 96 Olympics, according to Brian, in Atlanta, won no medals, broke no records, and signed no endorsement deals. It was neither a lift sprinter nor a limber gymnast. He was a 33-year-old security guard wow. on temporary hire who lived with his mother. Sad. <laughs> I live with my sister, though. Divorced dad. Woo! <laughs> Get crazy. <laughs> Staying up till 11. Drinking straight out of the milk jug. Oh, I did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They don't like my brand of backwash. Oh. They can get their own milk carton. <laughs> <laughs> the name of Rich and Al- Richard Allensworth Jewel will forever endure in Olympic lore for the early morning of 27 July 96 when he spotted an unattended green back- backpack beneath a light and sound tower at Centennial Olympic Park. I would have never even raised a flag in my eyes. Just a backpack sitting somewhere. Even nowadays. And nowadays... um, because even when we did the Comic Con episode, the guy talked about how they he strapped a backpack to the pole. Yeah, kid strapped a backpack to go buy some things. Into, and yeah, come, yeah, and come back. And then there was a dog sniff, bomb sniffing <laughs> dog, and the SWAT team, and that poor kid. Yeah, poor kid. Moral of the story is these things still happen today. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um. The designated town square of the Atlantic Games was the Centennial Olympic Park. It was free to go there, so a lot of people are going to be there. So, for the from the perspective of the bomber, I get it. I mm-hmm. totally do. Hit a large area where there's going to be a lot of people. Um, he alerted Georgia Bureau of Investigation officers and began clearing the area. The pipe bomb within the knapsack exploded minutes later, causing the death of two people and injuring 111 others. But Jules' vigilance had spared countless lives in his hometown, the gruesome legacy of what could have been the worst tragedy in Olympic history. Wow. The bombing. Now, this came actually, and I remember this, the, it was... 10 days after the explosion of TWA flight 800. Really? Which, yeah. Which killed all 230 people on board. There was kind of a shadow of that over the remainder of the Olympics. And it pro- prompted heightened security measures that presaged pre- kind of, it's like pre nine 11 really. And it, and this is kind of showing that this was all ramping up to the TSA. Um, mm. Just widespread domestic terrorist threat levels, and all that crap. With the FBI under pressure to make an arrest and news organizations desperate for the scoop, a miscarriage of justice followed as Jewel went from a hero to a suspect within days, a burden that haunted him long past his ultimate exoneration and until his 2007 death. He actually died at 44. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because people remember him being the suspect. I don't know if they ever knew he was cleared. Yeah, that's... That's the thing, and, and that's also the, how he lived the rest of his life. His post, even after our our suspect, 
the other suspect, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in the second segment, was found. People still told his mom that they thought he did it. Oh, why would you tell his mom? Yeah, you piece of shit. Especially when he's in the basement, <laughs> sitting there playing Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, let the guy be. Yeah, I just imagine him playing Battletoads and just like punching, <laughs> just punching aliens. Like I mentioned, Grand Theft Auto. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah just running over FBI same, agents. Just, yep, five stars. Five stars just, just run everybody over the tank. <laughs> Don't believe me now, huh? Anyway, it's sad. And um, Jewel was actually one of about 30,000 police and guards, the largest peacetime security force in U.S. history that wow. day. Enlisted to protect the Atlanta Olympics. He'd been hired as a temporary contractor by the security firm Anthony Davis Associates and had been on duty for nearly seven hours in Centennial Park when he spotted the unattended pack. Now, let me tell you something. When I'm working and I'm at seven hours, I'm thinking eight hours and I'm out. Mm-hmm. Seven hours. I'm not really checked out. I'm checked out. Yeah. You're just going through the motions. I'm, I'm drawing doodles. Me yep. playing guitar doodles. I'm sitting there tapping my toes. I'm flipping a coin. I'm flipping a coin. I'm flirting with the secretary. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, it's not going to go anywhere, but yeah, it's fun. <laughs> anyway. Um, nine minutes later, oh, wait, hold on. On duty for nearly seven hours, when he spotted the unattended pack beneath the bench near the tower at 1258, nine minutes later, a 911 call from a nearby phone booth told dispatchers there is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Hmm. At 1.15 a.m., a team of security officers, including Jewel, began clearing the area. The contents, three pipe bombs surrounded by masonry nails, detonated roughly 10 minutes later before all spectators could be removed. Among the fallen were Alice Hawthorne, a 44-year-old cable TV company oh. receptionist from Georgia who died of multiple penetration injuries from the flying metal fragments, and Turkish cameraman Mili Yuzunyal, 40, who died of a heart attack while rushing to film the so scene. So it wasn't even an old guy. No, it was. Well, he, was, he died of a heart attack while rushing to film the scene. Oh. So he's like running in there. He's like, I'm going to get to school. <laughs> Poor guy. All right, yeah, rest in peace. That's that's I I get it. Yeah. Um, Olympic officials called a 5:15 a.m. press conference to say the games would continue just as they had in Munich in '72 when Palestinian terrorists killed 11 Israeli team members. Around 10 a.m., President Bill Clinton condemned the bombing as "quote a pure act of terror and an act of cowardice which stands against the courage of the athletes." He praised the security who spotted the package, called it, and prevented severe loss of life. So. President Big Dick Bill Clinton mm-hmm. took time out of banging his, some chick. Took time out of messing up Monica's dress Ooh. to say, "Richard Jewell, you're a hero." Basically, <laughs> behind the scenes, Jewell What's was interviewed. His name it's Dick. <laughs> All right, way to go, Dick. Thank you, Dick. Behind the scenes, Jewell was interviewed by the Secret Service, the GBI, which is, I think, the Georgia British British. <laughs> Sure, Georgia British intelligence. It, it it's like a mishmash of Southern hospitality and European, and European teeth. teeth. <laughs> Biscuits and gravy and nothing to chew them with. That's perfect. GBI and the FBI, uh, the French Bureau of Investigation. Just kidding. 
That night, CNN reported that he was the first to catch a sight of the suspicious bag, and he was lauded as a hero in the next day's papers. But when Pete, this is the guy, by the way, Piedmont Piedmont College President Ray Clear phoned the FBI the following afternoon to suggest that Jewel, a former campus security guard, so he he didn't actually work at the school, or he didn't study there, um, with a reputation with a reputation for overzealousness, might have planted the bomb to basically become a hero and that's common for a lot of these guys some of them want to come out as the hero but sometimes that is that's not the case that's insane well it's actually a profiling yeah in the fbi they'd look for that because that's a total case of daddy didn't hug me enough (laughs) you're right um so yeah this ray clear asshole is saying that he he was he was a campus security guard. Mm-hmm. I bet you overzealousness. So probably gave him a ticket it, for parking that's illegally. That's what it is. He's like, you're gonna fuck me over with a twenty dollar mm-hmm. ticket. I have tenure. You can't <laughs> ticket me. <laughs> I always knew he would be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Beep beep boop beep beep boop boop. <laughs> He's overzealous, and he ticketed me. Write that down. You got that? Meanwhile, Georgia the- British investigation team. <laughs> Georgia British. Oh, not only do we mess up words, but we mess up the we'll acronyms. Just up. Yep. We just go with it. You, you didn't come uh, here for the facts. Come on. Yeah, come on. You didn't even know there was a bombing in 96, you little girl. <laughs> or little boy. Don't anyway, assume their gender. I can't assume it. <laughs> And I will assume it. But I will, because it's my right as an American podcaster. Mm -hmm. All right, so so this asshole calls up, and then the FBI is like, well, we don't have any leads, so might as well nail this guy. (laughs) We're looking dumb out here. Right. Let's do something. Well, I'm sure they're getting heat from the Olympics committee, the president. Mm-hmm. The president. The president who at 10 a.m. that same day is like, they're keeping me from getting my dick wet. And that... That's a DEFCON 5. You better, <laughs> you guys, Secret Service, everybody, you better figure this out so I can get some anal. <laughs> Do you think Bill Clinton's gotten anal before? Oh, yeah. Given and gotten? I think he's gotten at least a finger in the butt. Oh, Monica. <laughs> Two fingers, Hillary. Ah, uh, Hillary, I had chili today. I love it when you tickle my taint. <laughs> that got a little real. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord alright so a post-mortem later filed by the Justice Department's internal watchdog unit indicated that by Monday morning Jewel had emerged as the FBI's principal though not only suspect in the scent bomb investigation saying that he fit the profile of a wannabe cop who believed that making himself a hero at the Olympics would help him land a permanent job in law enforcement and some puss well <sighs> You know what? I mean, a hero deserves pussy. Yeah. Or dick. Whatever they want. That's why you do it. Exactly. (laughs) So that you can have like steep, steamy, basic instinct like sex with Sharon Stone. Yeah. Every night. Mm. That's how all heroes go to bed, right? Exactly. I'm a hero in training. They wake up to a BJ. Oh. Yeah. You ready to go after a long night of basic instincts? I was thinking maybe like flapjacks. Maybe, Eggs, maybe. Watch, maybe go watch the morning news. Crunchy bacon. There you go. Mm. Perfect. That's a good segue to oral. Anyway. Um, okay. So now 
it's funny that they say that he's not the only suspect because technically he was. Um, they thought he was a wannabe cop, wanted to make himself into hero in Olympics, and land himself a permanent job in law enforcement. Sometime, though, over the next day, an FBI source leaked Jewel's name as a person of interest to the case, and that's when the media went fucking nuts. Fuck. He couldn't go anywhere. No. And there's footage of it. It's insane. The poor guy lived with his mom, so they just camped out there. Yeah. Once they knew his name, it's done. And that's the way the media fucking works. So yeah, Everybody wants him dead. At 4.50pm the next day on Tuesday, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution published a special edition led by a 10-paragraph, 365-word story with no attribution that stated Jewel was the focus of a federal investigation. The banner headline screamed, FBI suspects Hero Guard may have planted bomb. Mm. Which is just leading, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Seven minutes later, CNN broadcast the story, holding the journal Constitution up to the camera. At 5.11 p.m., the Associated Press released a wire story attributed to its own sources. Shortly after that, NBC Nightly News anchor Tom Brokaw said on air, quote, the speculation is that the FBI is close to making the case. In their language, they probably have enough to arrest him now, probably enough to prosecute him, but you will always want to have enough to convict him as well. There are still some holes in this case. So... Brokaw saying, Richard Jewell is a prime suspect. Well, the bombings. <laughs> For anybody who remembers that man, you enjoyed that. Els fucked him up. <laughs> um, so, a second-day opinion piece in the Atlanta newspaper only doubled down on the scoop. Quote, like this one, he became famous in the aftermath of murder. His name was Wayne Williams, columnist David Kindred wrote, referencing the serial child murderer. This one is Richard Jewell. So, he's this. they're comparing him to a serial child murderer. <laughs> Not helping him. No! <laughs> Not helping his case. I think it's a product of the 24 hours news cycle. Yeah. And now you have... It's a competition who can get there first. Yeah. It's even worse now with Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And social media as a whole. Well, Information flies so fast that you're pressured to be first, not right. Well, yeah. And then Trump's tweets become headline news. And and they, they would with any president. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure if, if some of the older presidents would have had um, Twitter, you would have got some interesting comments from lincoln titties andrew jackson titties you know probably mm -hmm. mostly about titties black titties <laughs> yeah actually good <laughs> like the black ones he did over the next few weeks information exonerating jewel came to light 10 days after the bombing it was confirmed that jewel could not have placed the 911 call given his established whereabouts an exhaustive search of his mother's apartment where he stayed turned up nothing on 20 august the Except journal chicken tenders <laughs> There's some Hot Pocket rappers hot here. Pockets. We got a couple Batman comics. Mm -hmm. What's that thing over there? Oh, is that an anime? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> anyway. Tentacle porn. Oh, Lord. You know what? Good on him. On... 26 October, nearly three months after the fatal night in the Olympic Centennial Park, U.S. Attorney Kent Alexander sent Jewel's legal team a letter formally confirming that he was no longer a target of the investigation. Huh. Did they tell the news? They should have. Yeah. But the news didn't seem to know that. I was joking, but good God. And now, 
We're going to take a break after this, but six years later, Eric Rudolph, a former U.S. Army explosives expert, was convicted of the bombing and the bombing of three abortion clinics across the South and sentenced to four life terms without the possibility of parole at Colorado's ADX Florence Supermax prison. Because it was never Richard Jewell, guys. It was another guy. And he wasn't a suspect at all at the time. We're going to take a break. We come back. More. Investigators are trying to track down the bomber who attacked the Atlanta Olympics, but they have little to go on. Just two short, shaky handheld videos recorded by tourists at the scene before the disaster, but its equipment just can't handle the poor image quality. Investigators contact NASA astrophysicist David Hathaway. He's a solar astronomer who has spent 30 years using technology to improve images of solar activity on the sun. People died here, and so we thought this was our chance to help justice be served. The poor quality of the shaky footage pushes even NASA's technology to the limit. We had 13 seconds of video, 400 frames of very dark, noisy, grainy video. They enhance the image quality by isolating each frame. Then they transform the 400 frames into one. We knew from astronomy that the way you do this is to add them together. You average the way Hubble does when it looks at a a distant galaxy. It adds images together over days and days. So we wanted to average them together, and that would clean it up. But the Hubble Space Telescope is large, stable, and locked on to its target with pinpoint accuracy. The problem with this video is that the cameraman was was moving around. He was zooming in and, and shifting the camera around. And so we had to take out all of those motions before we could add the images together. David realizes that the task is beyond existing technology. So he asked his colleagues to create new software to solve the problem. We developed a computer program, a process for stabilizing and registering the images. Uh, It did it by taking a keyframe. So we decide, all right, we want everything to match what we have in this one image in the middle. And it goes to each image and see how parts of the image are moved from one image to the next. And from that, we can figure out mathematically how the image has gotten bigger or smaller, how it's rotated, how it's shifted. They painstakingly adjust each image for size, position, and rotation to match the key image. Buried within the impenetrable shadows emerges something that looks suspiciously like a bomb. Mr. Jewel. <clears throat> so we're back. Second segment. Time to get a little bit more information about this damn, 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 damn bombing. So do you get the sense that Jewel was really mistreated in all of this? Yeah. 
Well, let me give you a little more information oh, about no. that. Oh, no. <sighs> the settlements Jewel won in subsequent years from NBC, CNN, and the New York Post failed to grab a fraction of the headlines. Please say he got enough to get out of his mom's basement. <laughs> if Listeners, I shook my head no. No. The only law enforcement jobs he could land were $8 per hour jobs in tiny Georgia <sighs> towns, Lu- 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 Luthersville, Sinoa, Sinoia, and Pendergrass. Not Duke County? <laughs> nope. I don't even know if that's real. <laughs> it's okay. We make stuff up. Damn Duke boys. He died of heart failure in 2007. He Aww. was 44. 44? Eat your veggies. Yeah, I'm going to eat <laughs> carrots now. Jesus. Not carrot cake. <laughs> Wait. Carrot cake isn't it's actually made out of carrots, but I don't mm. think it works the same. I, yeah, I don't think so either. It's like how those... many vegetables do they go through before they're like, you know, broccoli cake? Nope. Brussels sprout cake? Nope. <laughs> Carrot cake? Hmm, not bad. Um, in the digital age, it is easier than ever to publish false information, mm. which is quickly shared and taken to be true, said the Guardian's editor in chief, Catherine Viner. Those truths only underscore how the factors con- conducive to the media malpractice that conspire against Jewel, factors only amplified by a climate of paranoia and fear, are just as present today, if not more so. Examples can be found everywhere from Reddit-driven witch hunt in the <clears throat> aftermath of the Boston Marathon I was going to bring that up. To it's... the Texas man wrongfully connected to the Dallas protest shooting uh, in 2017. As the eyes of the world turn to Rio de Janeiro, which is past now, mm-hmm. Olympics, we can only hope for more careful treatment, for it seems a repeat of the past can be, or may be, inevitable. Which is sad. Yeah. And that was uh, my breakdown, kind of, of Brian's article, uh, Mr. Graham, on The Guardian. Now, let's talk a little bit about Eric Rudolph. Now, Eric Rudolph, uh, Robert Rudolph, was uh, as a young lad, supposedly according to teachers and family members, a was, reindeer. What's that? A reindeer? No, no. Oh. Uh, jo- you're you're really throwing bad. in the Josh. Yeah. Well, there. someone's got to. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> um, he, as a young boy, was known to be a bit. Of a dreamer, but okay. also the type of guy, type of kid who would have like those thousand yard stares. <laughs> yeah. Like the, one of the neighbor's dogs used to bark at him all the time. And his parents said he used to just stare at it. That's nature's way of saying something. Right. Dog is like, hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 hey. And he's like, I'm going to eat you, doggy. <laughs> yeah. As serial killers tend to do with animals. It, indeed. Um, now, he became known, really, in the juxtaposition. Here's what I found on the web for a serial killer's tend to do with animals. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Siri just Siri decided heard she, something there. Yeah, she wanted to pipe in. Um, in the great passage of time, he's become known as the Olympic Park Bomber. But he was also an American domestic terrorist convicted for a series of anti-abortion and anti-gay motivated bombings across the southern United Mm. States between 96 and 98, which killed two people and injured over 120. That that always... All life is sacred. That's why I blew up them there abortion clinics. Yeah, or took out a gay nightclub. Yeah. People are just trying to get away and have fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. 
There'll there, be no gaying on my watch. There'll be no having babies on my watch either. Yeah. So or, I'm mad at the people who can't have babies, naturally. <laughs> or Guy's all up. over the map. <laughs> He's terrible. He's a piece of shit. Um, described by the U.S. Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez as a terrorist, he spent five years on the FBI's 10 most wanted wow. fugitives list until he was caught in 2003. He, he was wa- actually caught in the woods. Wow. It took that long to catch him. It did. Really? Yeah. But then they... Um, it's kind of sad because they didn't know about his ties to the Olympic bo- bombing until literally 2003. Jeez. So it wasn't like a slow burn. I mean, this was like, it just kind of all happened in the space of a year. And, and, um, they, they had evidence. Uh, I think in fact, the, um, the abortion clinic bombing, there was footage of a man who was walking away. But when the bombing goes off, you can tell he doesn't turn. He just keeps walking. That's so like movie. Yeah. It's like the Joker. Yeah. Walking out of the hospital. Just yeah. like with that slow, badass walk. But this guy's not a badass. No, he's a piece of shit. Chicken. Chicken shit. Yep. Heart. Fuck. Face. Ass clown. All of that. Yeah. In one. I like to swear occasionally like a fifth grader. You do. Um. In 2005, as part of a plea bargain, Rudolph pleaded guilty to numerous state and federal homicide charges and accepted four consecutive life sentences in exchange for avoiding a trial and a potential death threatens- sentence. He remains incarcerated. A death threatens is what that is, actually. <laughs> We're threatening you to death. He remains incarcerated at the ADX Florence Supermax Prison near Florence, Colorado. He is still alive today. Piece of shit. See, that's why I'm pro death penalty in the extreme cases. I get you, dude. I'm with you. Um, a little bit about his early life. He was born in Merritt Island, Florida. After his father, Robert, died in 81, he moved with his mother and siblings to Nathala, Mason County in western North Carolina. He attended ninth, gra- ninth grade at the Nathala School, but dropped out after that year and worked as a carpenter with his older brother, Daniel. Okay. When Rudolph was 18, he spent time with his mother as a Christian identity at a Christian identity compound in Missouri known as the Church of Israel. <laughs> that doesn't sound, that does not sound welcoming. Okay. Um we're we're we're, we're white we're talking a white male in America mm-hmm. who's probably got mental problems yep. and then you throw him in a Christian compound. Not just a compound, identity. Like that is yeah. your identity. Yeah. Those are those are some bad spices. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't come out together. The, the the pie comes out of the oven wrong. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you get is a domestic terrorist, which is code word for yeah, it happens. <laughs> so, or if it was an out, if it was like a terrorist from outside the country, then we care, right? But when it's in the country, we want to eh, hide them. It in happens. Fact, a lot of people after the bombings happened at the abortion clinic, and they knew the suspect was. They said if we found him, especially in Georgia area. They said they'd hide and help him because they thought they had the Underground Railroad for terrorists oh or something. Oh my gosh. They thought, let's take care of these guys because these colors don't run, goddammit. Nope. They walk slowly away from exploding abortion clinics. Asshole. Um, now, after Rudolph received his GED, he enlisted in the U.S. Army, which, thank you for your service, asshole. <laughs> It's a bad sentence. <laughs> I, the first time I've heard it. <laughs> Undergoing basic training at Fort Benning in Georgia. He was discharged in January of 89 while serving with the 101st Airborne Division at Fort Campbell in Kentucky due to marijuana use. Which, okay, 
So you're going to tell me you're okay with drug use, marijuana, right? but you're not cool with pro-choice or damn gays? Everyone has rights or the Olympics? Like, here's the thing to me. Why bomb the Olympics? What what's the, where's the where's the issue in those guys' heads for that? It's a mentally ill person. That's kind of yeah. I think like, difficult for us to wrap our mind around. It's like it. asking a stuffed animal why the sky's blue. I'm gonna try that. <laughs> you, you might want to do. Teddy some, Ruxpin will answer you. Yeah, you might want to pull on some marijuana. Nothing funnier than putting some Motley Crew in a Teddy, Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> this fucking bear rocks. Girls, girls, <laughs> girls. <laughs> Just put a little, little like thong around his waist. <laughs> okay, so, um, let's see. Well, in 1988, the year before his discharge, Rudolph had attended the air assault school at Fort Campbell. He attained the rank of specialist E4, which I, um, when I served, when I was honorably discharged, I was an E4. So that's oh, a wow. cool thing. Okay. Um, now let's get into the bombings a bit with this ass wipe. At age 29, Rudolph was the perpetrator of the Centennial Olympic Park bombing in Atlanta, which occurred on July 27th, 1996. During the 1996 Summer Olympics, he called the police warning about the bombing. So that was who called the 911 call. Oh, so it wasn't Richard Jewell. No. So he alerted the uh, Georgia British in- investigators and the, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the cops. That there was going to be a bomb? Yeah, well, he saw a suspicious package. Okay. And then they, they deemed it a suspicious thing, and then that call came in, and that's when it was like, time to get everybody the, the fuck, fuck out, out of here. Boy, he may have screwed it up himself. Who? Uh, Rudolph. Oh, yeah? With his call? Maybe. He might not have known what was, was going it, on. Or was he hoping more people would... I don't know. I don't know. Trying to I hurt as many law enforcement. That's tricky. You know, the guy's a nut. We're trying to figure out if some yeah, logic. I mean, I'm, the basis the basis of the whole thing is, you know, confusing to me. Yeah. Um okay, so he called the police and warned them. The blast killed spectator Alice Hawthorne, who we mentioned, and uh Mali Yuzin Yal, a Turkish cameraman who ran to the scene following the blast. Rudolph's motive for the bombings, according to his April 13th, 2005 statement, was political. Now, here is the reason. In the summer of 1996, the world converged upon Atlanta for the Olympic Games. Under the protection and auspices of the regime of, in Washington, millions of people came to celebrate the ideals of global socialism. Multinational corporations spent billions of dollars, and Washington organized an army of security to protect these best-of-all games. Even though the conception and the purpose of the so-called Olympic movement is to promote the values of global socialism as perfectly expressed in the song Imagine by John Lennon. Nice. Don't drag him into it. Which was the theme of the 1996 games. Even though the purpose of the Olympics is to promote these ideals, the purpose of the attack on July 27 was to confound anger and embarrass the Washington government in the eyes of the world for its abominable sanctioning of abortion on demand. <laughs> Is that what the Olympics were about? <laughs> that was about comp- competition. The plan was to force the cancellation of the games, or at least create a state of insecurity to empty the streets around the venues and thereby eat into the vast amounts of money invested. Mm. 
So Rudolph's statement authoritatively cleared Richard Jewell, a Centennial Olympic Park security guard, of any involvement in the bombing. Jewell fell under suspicion of participating in the bombing a few days later um, after having been initially hailed as a hero. Now, um, Rudolph has also confessed to three other bombings, an abortion clinic in the Atlanta suburb, suburb of Sandy Springs on January 16, 1997, the other side lounge of Atlanta, a lesbian bar, on February 21st, 1997, injuring five, and an abortion clinic in Birmingham, Alabama on January 29th, 1998, killing Birmingham police officer and part-time mm. clinic security guard Robert Sanderson and critically injuring nurse Emily Lyons. Rudolph's bombs contained nails, which acted <sighs> as shrapnel. Now, this is getting into what I mentioned about how those Georgia backwoods guys were like, we'll keep them safe. Yeah. You're fighting a good fight, Rudolph. Fuck these guys. This ain't no abortion world. I don't want it. I don't need it. Now, when Rudolph was first identified as a suspect in the Alabama bombing by the Department of Justice, on now he was identified as a subject for these bombings. Mm-hmm. Pretty quick. That was on February 14, 1998, following tips from two, wit- okay. two witnesses, Je- Jeffrey Tickle and Jeremiah Hughes. That's a redneck name right there. <laughs> Tickle and Hughes observed Rudolph departing <laughs> the scene and noted his appearance and truck license plate. He was named as a suspect in the three Atlanta incidents on October 14th, 1998. Now, on May 1998, he became the 454th fugitive listed by the FBI in the 10 most wanted list. That's a lot of people in the top 10. Yeah, I don't know if they understand numbers. There's four. He's the 454th. I'm one guessing of all time. Does that like slowly change? Is that like the IMDb I think list? They die off or uh, you catch them, then you slot more people in there. All right. I get it. Okay. The FBI considered him to be armed and extremely dangerous and offered a $1 million reward, which I heard Janet Reno say in uh, a clip from that documentary. That's right. She said, $1 million reward. <laughs> I fucked up Waco. I can't fuck this up too. <laughs> yeah, oh you can't. He spent more than five years in the Appalachian wilderness as a fugitive, during which time federal and amateur search teams scoured the area without success. The Anti-Defamation League noted that, quote, extremist chatter on the internet has praised Rudolph as a hero. And some followers of hate groups are calling for further acts of violence to be modeled after the bombings he is accused of committing, unquote. Rudolph's family, his, like most namely his mom, supported him and believed he was innocent of all charges. They were placed under intense questioning and surveillance. In fact, it's so bad. This 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 one is this this was one moment where I my stomach turned a bit. On March 7th, 1998, Rudolph's older brother Daniel, who was being questioned at the time, videotaped himself cutting off his left hand with a radial arm saw in order to in his words send a message to the FBI and the media. The fuck kind of message is that? This, by the way, the hand was successfully reattached by surgeons. <laughs> he got him through this on went, that was, a, that was a bad idea. It was kind of a I, Van Gogh moment. I should, uh, yeah, let's put this on ice. Yeah. I think there's, I want that back. That was my a, jack in hand. <laughs> or the other hand. He's the drummer. He just became the Def Leppard dude <laughs> there. Um, yeah, so that really rattled his mom and, and I would assume... Um, it got to his brother as well. Um, the hand was successfully reattached. According to Rudolph's own writings, he survived during his years as a fugitive by realized, camping in the woods. 
<laughs> he realized when he went to applaud somebody that it was a mistake. <laughs> it's just stuck back on with Velcro. Oh, I can't clap. Right. Well, yeah, as a knight, as you would back then, that's how they, they surgically attach things. We got Velcro. Velcro. Exactly. Don't clap too hard. <laughs> Max's kid. Whoops. There goes my hand. According to Rudolph's own writings, he survived during his years as a fugitive by camping in the woods, gathering acorns and salamanders, pilfering vegetable, vegetables from gardens. I know. Acorns? Raw acorns? Acorns. Oh, disgusting. How do you Salamander see- jerked. Like, uh, have you had salamander? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jerked salamander. Couldn't you just bump it up to squirrels? I assume there's a little more meat on oh, squirrels. Yeah, got, I mean, they're your competition for the acorns. Exactly. You're killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Set a trap with an acorn and a salamander. Yep. Get yourself a fat squirrel or a mm. bunny. Mm-mm-mm. Squirrel quesadillas. There you go. He was pilfering vegetables from gardens, stealing grain from a grain silo, and raiding dumpsters in a nearby town. <laughs> now, Rudolph was arrested in Murphy, North Carolina on May 31st, 2003 by rookie police officer Jeffrey Scott Postel of the Murphy Police Department while Rudolph was looking through a dumpster behind a Save-A-Lot store at about 4 a.m. Postel- well, <laughs> if you're going to dumpster dive, don't do it at the dollar store. Go to something higher end. He's trying to get a Fago. Maybe there's a little moon mist left at the, the bottom moon- of that two liter. You can add that as like a special sauce to his salamander pie. Mm, mm, mm. Postel was on routine patrol, had initially suspected a a bulgur... Wow, what was... What freaking word was that even attempt of? (laughs) Burglary was in progress. (laughs) Professor, I wanted to say hamburglary. Um... That was a big arm. Sorry, Larry. Rudolph was unarmed and did not resist arrest. When arrested, though... He was clean-shaven clean with a trimmed mustache and wore a camouflage jacket, work clothes, and new sneakers. Federal authorities charged him on October 14, 2003. Rudolph was initially defended by attorney Richard S. Jaffe. After Jaffe withdrew, he was represented by Judy Clark on April 8, 2005. So think about this. They charge him October 14, 2003. Mm-hmm. Now think about all the time that goes by when it gets to on April 8th, 2005, the Department of Justice announced that Rudolph had agreed to a plea bargain. So imagine how many interviews, yeah. interrogations. They, really, they, they did a thorough job to get there, I suppose. Yeah. He was also going to try to make an autobiography. Mm. Make a little cash. Yeah. What do? But technically that's outlawed. Especially, if, was, especially yeah. if you're like a serial killer. If you're trying to profit off the off your crime in general it's do you hear that 50 cent that's right watch out bro okay no idea if he's ever committed a crime i don't (laughs) i may have slandered 50 cent we love you i know he was shot but i don't think he i don't think yeah i think i just slandered him i apologize 50 cent 50 cent did not commit a crime i don't think so not that i know a crime at being so hot of a rapper maybe okay it's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's an iconic song. <laughs> I drawn a blank. <laughs> Might have heard it back in the day. Anyway, <clears throat> so on April 8th, 2005, like I said, Rudolph had agreed to a plea bargain under which he would plead guilty to all charges he was accused of in exchange for avoiding the death penalty. The deal was confirmed. After oh, the- fine. He He's fine with killing other people, but don't kill me. Exactly. What a chicken I'm shit. I'm too precious. <sighs> I have to write an autobiography. 
Exactly. That character hasn't been around in a while. Well, you haven't heard from me in a while. I've been on vacation. All right, go back in the basement. Okay. Um, the deal was confirmed after the FBI found 250 pounds of dynamite he hid in the forest of North Carolina. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a lot. Yeah. That's like a whole human being. A big human being. Yeah, I was about to say, that's a large man. Exactly. TNT. <laughs> I'm dynamite. As he shakes his boobies. TNT. His revealing the hiding places of the dynamite was a condition of his plea agreement. He made his pleas in person in Birmingham and Atlanta courts on April 13th. Rudolph released a statement explaining his actions. He rationalized the bombings as serving the cause of anti-abortion and anti-gay activism. In his statement, he claimed that he had deprived the government of its goal of sentencing me to death and that the fact that I have entered an agreement with the government is purely a tactical choice on my part and in no way legitimates the moral authority of the government to judge this matter or impute my guilt. I so won. He, he, yeah, he felt no guilt. These guys... That's a sicko. ...are fucked. Welcome to America. <laughs> the terms of the plea agreement were that Rudolph would be sentenced to four consecutive life terms. He was officially sentenced July 18, 2005 to two consecutive life terms without parole for the 1998 murder of a police officer. What's life? Isn't that like... That's 20, I think. Is it 20? That's it. I think so. Yeah. So you got 40 years and he was how old? Mm, at the time of this? Yeah. I want to say this was 2005. It's 2018. So he would have been... 5 plus 18. Carry the one. 41. We got to remember. 30, about 37. Oh, so you could actually get out and... Still be a lot. No, not with four consecutive. Oh, terms. I thought you said he got two of no, the no, four. No. Okay. Um, oh, no, you're right. He did officially two consecutive life yeah. terms without parole. But if you, you know, if you don't get parole, that means 40 years you're in. Yeah. Um, he was sentenced for various bombings in Atlanta on August 22nd, 2005, receiving two consecutive life terms. So I guess in the end, they. They compound. Okay, so, maybe so he, got, it, he did get four. He got two for one and then two for the other. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That They're makes like, sense. Bad boy. Bad boy. Mm-hmm. That same day, Rudolph was sent sent to the ADX Florence Supermax Federal Prison. Rudolph's inmate number. Do you, do you guys really need his inmate number? Yeah. What I'm are you surprised. Gonna, you know is, what? There's some sicko that's going to write him. <laughs> you know, those. there's those women that wait for the, that write to the. Uh, you know what? I'm going to make a conscious choice on this show to not read it because idea. fuck that guy. Yeah. Nobody, he doesn't need any attention. Nope. Like other Supermax inmates, he spends 22 and a half hours per day alone in his 80 square <sighs> foot concrete cell. That would drive me insane. Mm-hmm. And he deserves it. That's a lot of masturbating. <sighs> and, uh, you know, there's a lot more about the fact that he did it because he's anti-homosexual, he's anti-abortion. Um, he had his own website at one one time. <laughs> um. Harper's Magazine referred to him as a Christian terrorist. Um, the NPR radio program On Point referred to him as a Christian identity extremist. The Voice of America reported that Rudolph could be seen as part of an attempt to try to use Christian faith to try to forge a kind of ra- racial and social purity. Writing in 2004, authors Michael Shermer and Dennis McFarland saw Rudolph's story as an example of a religious extremism in America, warning that the phenomenon he re- represented was particularly potent when gathered together under the umbrella of militia groups, whom they believed to have protected Rudolph while he was a fugitive. And it is pretty sure that that was what it was. 
In a letter to his mother from prison, Rudolph has, had written, many good people continue to send me money and books. Most of them have, of course, an agenda, mostly born-again Christians looking to save my soul. I suppose the uh, assumption is made that because I'm in here, I must be a sinner and need a salvation, and they would be glad to sell me a ticket to heaven. I do appreciate their their charity, but I could really do without the condense- con- condescension. They have been so nice, I would hate to break it to them that I really prefer Nietzsche to the Bible. At a later date, Rudolph states in an article on the Army of God website, which he was a part of, the truth is I am a Christian. As a Christian, I accept as my brother in Christ anyone who believes in the tenets of the faith. Well, and that's perverted that. That's really really the story, ladies and gentlemen. You got a little bit about Richard Jewell, a little bit about Eric Rudolph, and kind of the time and the place and where we were. Um, We don't have pop culture this week because realistically... There's I mean, no video games about <laughs> no that. There's I don't think there's any songs about that. It, the only thing I can think of is there is uh, oh there's a movie oh in the works. Uh, Leo Di- Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill are in talks of penning a script about assuming this. Assuming Jonah Hill is going to play the part of Richard, Richard Jewell. Jewell, although he's gotten really he's gotten fit. shaved, didn't he? Yeah, I mean he okay. could, could always pack a little poncho. I would have thought there. Kevin James because <laughs> of the Paul Blart mall cop. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio could easily play uh, Eric Rudolph, though. Okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking yeah. that's a good pairing. Also, in that 96 Olympics, a um, mm-hmm. uh, wrestler named Kurt Angle, who went on to become a, a real popular professional wrestler, he won a gold medal in the uh, wrestling competition in 96 with a broken neck. Wow. He broke his neck. What was his wrestling name? Kurt Angle. Same oh. name. Yep. It's not a bad name. No. Kurt coming at you from an angle. A good, there's some people just have good sports names, yeah. Like Larry Bird, Larry Bird, yeah. Like, you gotta have like that one syllable last Michael name, Michael Jordan. Jordan, Jordan works, yeah. Well, he Scotty overcame Pippen. that. Pippen. <laughs> That's your sweet spot, isn't it? Those the, the mid 90s basketball, late, yeah. er, early to mid 90s, yeah. That's my spot, Isaiah Thomas, love him, yeah. Joey D, du- well, Jumars. Joey Dumas, yeah. Bill Lambeer, bad boys. Bad boys are awesome. I'm actually wearing my Pistons sweatshirt right now. John Sally. Yeah, the spider. Charles Barkley. Carl Malone. The mailman. That's right. I mean, the male prostitute. I'm making Larry happy. And if Marty's listening, I'm probably making him smile, too. (sighs) All right. So there is one thing, though, that we definitely have to do. We got to have ourselves a verdict. In one corner, two of the four podcasters you trust with your life. But the two you would most likely trust your life with. Yes, of The course. other two, if they were there, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Actually, the one you would trust your life with is the Illuma Mommy. <laughs> yeah. We wish you were here, Mommy. In another corner, two men. Mm. One good. One bad. Richard Jewell. Good. And Eric Rudolph. Bad. And we have to say, who done it? Who really did it? <laughs> Sorry, this is kind of an open kind shot. of a. <laughs> but there's really nothing else I could think to say. I mean, the Do verdict. You think there there maybe, are people. Maybe we could say, did the did the FBI try to pin it on Richard Jewell out of panic? Yes. 
Because I think that's more of a, a conspiracy there. Yes, I think that is the main conspiracy. Because like I said, both of them, even after uh, Eric Rudolph went to prison, there are people that saying he shouldn't have been in prison, that he didn't do it, that he got framed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, again, that's where the conspiracy word keeps mm-hmm. coming up. Um, I do believe that Eric Rudolph is the main culprit. Mm-hmm. Fry him. Put him in the chair. Now, do I think that the FBI had influence and wanted to frame uh, Jewel? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. Just looking at the media reports, there was a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And this is pre-texting and Twitter and Facebook. It's scary time. Rest up, man. I need that ball gag back in my mouth. Bill Clinton was hot and heavy then. <laughs> so I will say that it's a fucked up case. It was interesting to research. I'm excited to uh, see what you guys think of this episode. And um, what do you think, Larry? I think the FBI, yeah, was pressured into arresting somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I think they were lazy with it. They were like, "Oh, this guy just fits the usual profile. Mm-hmm. Zero proof, zero proof." Of right. And they were, and they leaked it to the press. There's a reason they did that. Yeah. It was to look good. Yeah. And I think, I think they did screw that man over to make themselves look good. I think that's that's really fucked up. I think that's the way of the world. Prop yourself up, knock everyone down, mm-hmm. and it's still. And I think, if anything, that's kind of the the lesson from this episode. Be kind to one another, guys. Yeah. Yeah, this reminded me of the end of uh, Richard Jewell as Batman at the end of, like, say, the movie The Dark Knight running away while Commissioner Gordon is explaining he's got to take the fall because everyone needs a hero, and sometimes it means you got to be the Dark Knight. Yep. Richard Jewell, you were the Dark Knight. R.I.P., mm-hmm. buddy. And that's been your verdict. And um, here we are post this episode getting ready for the Olympics coming up. Yeah. Any, are, you uh, an Ol- are you an Olympics fan? I do love What's your me sport? some Olympics. Um, I watched just about winter. Every- so yeah, winter Olympics. Um, I want to say I'm a pretty big fan of just about everything. You know, I like, I like uh, hockey. I love, okay. um, I love the, Ice skating. I love the um, luge. Luge is dope. The skiing is fun to watch. Like when they go through the flags. Like they could show me the same luge clip and just put a different name at the bottom left hand corner. Right. And I believe like it was a different race. I can't help but get excited if I see there's a Jamaican bobsled team. There's a Jamaican's women's bobsled team for the first time this year. I can't wait. Yeah, man. And now you're going to have to watch. What was it? Uh, Cool Something Yes, cool yeah. runnings. I have to watch John that. Candy. All right, Pete. rest in peace, man. Love that man. What a funny dude. Yeah, the best. <sighs> anyway, all right. Well, we got a ton of plugs we got to get through then too. Before oh my we gosh, close, yeah. Close this guy out. So, Larry, where are you when you're not here? Efispodcast.net. You can catch baseball history on that. We come back on Valentine's Day. Ooh, mm-hmm. nothing more romantic to share your. New Ethos episode with your Lover. honey. 
Hopefully you get to third base with her. Ooh. That's a baseball reference. <laughs> oh, man. You can also catch me on the Potty Slam. Oh, which is a wrestling historical podcast. Uh, Potty Slam show on Twitter, Potty Slam on Facebook, and Potty Slam on Potomatic. Potomatic, yeah. Off Tempo Podcast. That's the new guy, that's right? That's the new one. Just came, I think it just came out last Tuesday. Yes. Episode uh, one. Yeah, that's Josh's baby. Yep. He's working it's, it out. I would call it music history. Yeah. It's uh s- it's like the Ephus or Potty Slam, but it's Which music. Is basically a rip off rip off of the dollop. And this is a rip off of nothing. I promise. This is an original <laughs> idea. But yeah, off tempo podcast, you can find that on on Podbean. Yep. And on Facebook. I don't think he has a Twitter yet. Um, yeah, so check out those three. And if you want to hit us up, like I said, like I said from the start, we will give you a shout out. You write us on our Facebook, like us there, hit us up at our Twitter where we drop every episode on a Monday at Conspiracy T Show. Write us right into our uh, email, conspiracytherapyshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you have to say, read about a crazy cryptid, a conspiracy you'd like us to cover, all of it. And then, as I said from the top, if you give us a five star review, we will happily read it on air. We'll shout you out. We will shout you out. Or if you have dirty clothes, we'll shout that out. Yeah. Works both ways. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Anyway, do you have anything you want to add to this episode before we close this out, brother? Little word from Josh. Okay. Pop nuts in my mouth. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he can't even complain. Nope, not here to defend himself. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. All right. Next week, we'll have the full crew back, and we'll see you then (laughs) for another episode of Conspiracy Therapy. Have a great one, guys. Presentation of Beer City Media.